I can't give like a direct answer to exactly what it is or what it takes, but just having a good breadth of knowledge about what training really entails and what nutrition really entails and what how long it really takes in good circumstances to burn fat or to build muscle or to get stronger and so on. What a typical rate of change is, you know, that should shed enough light on us to know how hard we should go and when we should stop making excuses and when we shouldn't stop making excuses. What's up, my friend, and welcome back to another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I'm health expert Ted Rice, and today's interview is an important one. For example, do you feel sometimes you have this all or nothing approach to your health, to your workouts, to your nutrition? Do you have unrealistic expectations because you've read about how this actor lost 30 pounds in five weeks for a roll or gain 35 pounds of muscle in a month for a roll. And that's one of the places where you set your standards for what you should be able to achieve with weight loss for yourself or muscle growth for yourself. Are you a bit confused about all the messages out there, how to even think about your workout, how to think about getting things done in the context of a busy life that involves a career or running a business, children, and then maintaining a social life too. Well, those are all the things that we dive into with today's guest, Lee Boyce. Lee is a person who I've been following for quite a few years now, probably four or five, maybe even longer. And I really appreciate his perspective in the industry. Now, Lee's Canadian, based in Toronto, and uh, he's actually a bit younger than some of the other people that we've had on the show. He's only 33, but he's a wealth of knowledge. And I want you to know this, he's a great resource for learning about exercises and different types of exercises and learning exercise techniques. And if you want more of that, you want to go to LeeBoyceTraining.com. But today we talk more about the psychological side of how to approach this, because if you don't have the right mindset coming in, you're going to constantly experience what you feel is failure, but it's really not a failure on your part. It's a failure to properly figure out what will work in the context of your life. That's what we're going to jump into. Really excited. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with strength and conditioning coach, Lee Boyce. Lee Boyce, welcome to the Legendary Life Podcast. Really excited to have you on today. You're someone who I've been following for, I don't know how many years now, but I just view you as one of the voices of reason in the industry and also a person who isn't shy about writing about the more controversial aspects like body image, you know, the Hollywood body types, what people have as expectations or what's possible. So really excited to dive into, into this conversation with you today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And uh, I hope that uh, I hope that it can uh, land on some good ears and that the stuff that I say or the stuff that we talk about uh, can be taken with a grain of salt, but it can be taken to heart still. And uh, it should uh, it should resonate with a lot of people, hopefully. Absolutely. And before we launch into this now, you're based in Toronto, but I don't hear a, a, a typical, at least Canadian accent. Where's your accent from? Um, well, I was born and raised here, so my background is from Guyana, but I was never there or anything like that. So I've, I've just, I've been only here. So I don't really know what accent I developed if it wasn't, if it's not a Canadian one, but can't tell you. <laughs> you haven't said a boot yet. Is that uh, coming? Yeah, no. Now we're talking about those, like the super stereotypical Canadian stuff, the aboot and the, the, uh, I'm trying to think of what else there is saying a all the time, and buddy. And, you know, all that. <laughs> Cool. Right. I was just curious. So Guyana, but you've never been there. 100% Canadian. Very interesting. Um, so let's get into this. So you're Canadian, grew up in Toronto. What led you to 
get into uh, the the fitness industry, the strength and conditioning field. What was that journey like? It was pretty natural in the sense that I was an athlete before. I was uh, always into sports and everything like that. Into high school, through high school, and um, you know, when at one point I learned that I wanted to do, uh, do kinesiology in university, and that was at the same time that I was uh, really into running track, playing basketball. Those those two sports, little football, volleyball, but the, the main two were track and basketball. I ended up getting recruited to a university for track and field, and um, at the same time, I was able to do kinesiology. Um, so that alone was um, just, the, it set me on a path towards this sort of thing. Um, while I was doing kin and while I was in school still and, and running, I said, maybe I want to do a chiropractic or physio or something along those lines and take it there. But um, as I spent more and more time, that stuff interested me less and less because I was just more interested in working with uh, fewer injured people and more healthy people at the same time, right? So um, yeah, it just it was a natural transition in. And while I was still in school, I got my first personal training job. And um, yeah, I never really turned back. And uh, that just it occupied more and more and more of my time until I sort of here today. Awesome. And uh, for those of you who don't know Lee, he's really great when it comes to exercise technique, showing different ways of programming your routines, uh, learning different exercises. Uh, that may help you working around injuries. So you really got to check out his uh, blog. But you also write about the psychology of the fitness industry, the body image aspects. Why do you write about that stuff when you could just say, here's how to do a bench press. Here's the trick with, you know, here's how to add in isometrics into this. Why, Why do you choose to talk about the more controversial aspects of fitness. I will say off the top of my head that I'll come up with three reasons here. The first one is because editorial pieces like that challenge me as a writer. And, um, it really helps me to, uh, I I don't know what other word to use, just, um, exercise those skills a little bit more than just talking about physiology content or anatomy content or biomechanics or other things that you might be able to recycle and regurgitate and, and really, really come up with by this very term heavy, right? So that's number one. Um, number two, I do it because it carves a little bit of a niche or my own lane. And that was something that I was interested in doing from the beginning is like, what can I put out there that sets things a little bit apart compared to what 95% of the industry will usually create as content. So that's number two. And uh, I think that the third reason why is because it's content that needs to be addressed and there needs to be some kind of voice out there for it. As I said, 95% of the content uh, of people create content that has nothing to do with this. So um, I'd like to be one of those 5% who do address those things and um, have something to say about it. Um, It's stuff that a lot of people think about and a lot of trainers might even think about but not necessarily speak on. And so these are uh, the areas that I usually try to, in a diplomatic way, voice my um, opinionated thoughts on and um, try to cover as many of my bases as I can while I do it. Interesting. Why do you say, I mean, I know how I feel about this, but I'm just curious. Why do you say it needs to be addressed? Because there are misconceptions in the industry uh, with regards to things like body image, with regards to things like how hard you should push it in the gym, um, with regards to things like exercise choice and technique and what it should all mean. There's not too much emphasis towards anything that's not sensationalized thanks to the media. Um, So, uh, you know, we have come a long way in terms of, you know, understanding that there's different societal norms with regards to body image and what's real and what's not and so on. But in the long and short of it, there's still a huge mania towards people thinking that you've got to go hard or go home, or people thinking that you've got to train in a certain way, or people thinking that you have to look a certain way, or that you have to get to a certain point of, uh, you know, leanness to be fit, or a certain point of muscularity to be fit, or whatever have you. Um, the strength and conditioning world is also a culprit in that, yeah, they've shifted people's minds away from the things that I just said, at least to a certain degree, but now all of a sudden areas like performance especially with regards to building strength they start taking precedence in people's minds and it gets askew that starts getting a little bit over the limit so all of a sudden there should be no ceiling to how strong you get in any given exercise and then anything that doesn't involve 
hitting a PR or hitting a max lift or whatever, or squatting and deadlifting and, and whether or not that's in your program, all those kinds of things all of a sudden take, they get blown out of proportion. So strength and conditioning world and intelligent training drops the ball too. And so there are many different sources to blame. And uh, there's not too much uh, in the way of sort of balance, equilibrium, and like just talking about things from a little bit more of a longer term health perspective and realizing that there's a lot of components that make up fitness and health um, from uh, in the gym perspective and from an outside of the gym perspective and a lifestyle perspective. Now, so yeah, you know, like I just do what I can through my blogs, um, whether it's talking about stuff that involves current events that are going on in the world, fitness related, um, or talking about just fitness from a sociocultural perspective. Um, a lot of the topics that I choose, they usually have the undertone or just the the angle of addressing these issues directly or indirectly. And uh, this podcast, most of the listeners, they're professionals, they're 40 and above, they're looking for long-term health, long-term function. And I find from speaking to many of them that a lot of them buy into some of the ideas that you mentioned, go hard or go home, right? I've got to squat and deadlift and bench press and hit PRs and get super duper strong, at least for the guys anyway, right? Or else I'm not training. What do you feel are, in your experience, what are the top misconceptions, unfounded beliefs that your clients who are 40 and above, what are they buying into and what do they need to change to get better results from not just their exercise approach, but creating that balance in their life so that so that what they do is sustainable and actually leading to long-term health? First and foremost, I think the mindset they need to change is with regards to um, dwelling on what they were capable of doing when they were in better shape, which for a lot of them, goes back to maybe when they were in their early 20s, for example, or when they were in college or university or whatever. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I'm trying to get back here or I want to get back there. I set a goal of something that I used to be able to do and I can't anymore. Cool. But at the same time, you know, priorities change, bodies change, stress levels increase, you know, lifestyles change, sleep level, like all those kinds of things factor in. And if you don't have a platform that's set for you that facilitates a, a life that you can revolve around training with minimal responsibilities like you did when you were 21, you know, then it's not really as realistic for you to try to pursue the same level of fitness that you had when you were 21. It doesn't mean that you can't make strides and it doesn't mean you can't make gains and you can't uh, really improve your fitness, but you have to do that with a grain of salt and you have to do it in a way that's going to, um, you know, be sustainable uh, for your for your current starting point, which is important. And so that's the mindset shift that I think that a lot of people in this age demographic, the 40 plus and so on, have to think about, you know, what's different between now at 45 that, uh, you, can that you, you can say is different now compared to when you were 22? The answer might be, you know, you're three children later, you're obviously like 20 years older, so there's that. And, you know, you have a much more busy job um, you have a mortgage, you have, you know, I can list off a whole bunch of other things in your life that have changed to think that you can now all of a sudden go back to what you used to be. It's possible, but how sustainable is, it, you know? Um, and if you roll sustainability, then you have to consider all of those other factors too. And you, you bring up great points with regard to the 20 year old lifestyle, no kids, more sleep, less wear and tear on the body versus now, and you say it's possible, I feel like a lot of people have a hard time writing that line between like, when are we making excuses and saying it's my slow metabolism, it's my age, it's my hormones, and then saying, you know what, I need to be, I hate to use this word realistic because it, I hear it too much. Oh, I got to be realistic. It's like, well, realistic with fat loss, at least, it's like you're always eating. So making better choices is, is always a thing that you can do. And not being obese for me is realistic or not even being overweight is realistic uh, for the majority of people that I come in contact with. Uh, but like, how do you help people find that balance between not making excuses or looking at something that you wrote about JLo and Shakira and saying, oh, I should be like them. JLo's 50. Look at her body. 
Of course, she's a millionaire and has, you know, trainers and nutritionists and chefs and, you know, lives in a mansion. It's uh, it's a very, very fine line. And being able to sort of differentiate between you getting into the kind of the excuse category and the fallback category versus, um, you know, realizing that, you know, you do need like a push and so on. Like it's it's always been an area that not only everyone that I've seen, but I myself have struggled with uh, to stay on the good side of that uh, of that line, because uh, in some cases, people will say, hey, you know, like, uh, you know, I should be pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and disregarding a whole lot of stuff. And that's the way to get lean in a hurry, for example, except you're not going to be able to hold on to that. You're going to either burn out or you're going to get overwhelmed with other stuff at some point, and then things are going to rebound the other way. So it's, I can't give like a direct answer to exactly what it is or what it takes, but just having a good breadth of knowledge about what training really entails and what nutrition really entails and what, how long it really takes in good circumstances to burn fat or to build muscle or to get stronger and so on. What a typical rate of change is, you know, that should shed enough light on us to know how hard we should go and when we should stop making excuses and when we shouldn't stop making excuses. Like, for example, somebody's saying that they want to shed body fat and um, they're saying that they're making excuses for eating a cheat snack or a bad meal like, you know, every day or multiple times per week and so on. Well, this isn't going to be too conducive to your goals at the end of the day. And if you tried a little bit harder and showed a little bit more discipline, then you could probably get more results that you can still stick with. And, you know, there's absolutely no harm, no harm and no foul in, in pursuing that. However, somebody who's on the other side of the coin who never eats a cheat meal or who never eats after six o'clock PM or who um, will do their workout, even if they're hurting or even if they were on three hours of sleep or something like that, you know, where they don't respect other factors that need to play into things. Though um, well, they're going to be just as, it's going to be just as damaging for them as well. Right. So, you know, it's just about, I guess, educating yourself enough to understand that there's got to be that balance that is created. And you have to find that norm, that that area where it's like right in that pocket of it fits your lifestyle. It's a part of your routine. It has become part of your lifestyle without it taking over. Right. And, um, you know, it, it is going to take sacrifice. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take all of that uh, sort of mentality that, you know, maybe that you had to adopt when you were an athlete in school, for example, but just with different priorities, right? Having a sport background from back in the day usually can really help somebody because they understand what it means to sometimes sacrifice, sometimes put other things aside for the time being, sometimes being able to say no to stuff because, you know, this stuff is important and your training matters and it should be a priority. However, you know, there's still a line, right? Um, you know, I know that I'm rambling here. I know that I'm saying a whole bunch of stuff and not really getting to an actual answer. However, it's it's still, it, hopefully these thoughts can still resonate with people because it does still shed some light in terms of what the thinking should be behind all of this. Even though there's not one particular answer that you can give as to how to figure this out, um, these things can still help somebody along that process. One thing I find with some of my clients is, uh, and I love, first of all, I love the way you're working that out because the answer is that it depends on the individual and we can't give yep. individual advice without knowing that person and with them paying us a lot of money too. Right. Just on the real. But, uh, but, uh, one thing that I, f so, so by hearing you work through that and to unpack it in all the details, I hope if you're listening right now, what you're starting to take away is the thought process, how you should be approaching it. To change gears a bit, one of the things that I deal with in my uh, coaching program is that uh, I'm going to call out one of my clients, Dean, who was tracking his nutrition, only was losing about two pounds a month, and then signed up with me, lost, um, I think, 15 pounds in about six or seven weeks dramatically changed his body and on got six more weeks left. But check this out, Lee. He wasn't so he wasn't happy with the progress when he was on his own. But then with the progress he's achieved, if we looked at his photos, you'd be like, whoa, that's pretty great. Uh, Cause he's been on track. 
right? Not all of my clients are as on track as Dean. But he said to me, you know, I, I, I kind of expected more. And I'm like, more than 15 pounds in six or seven weeks? Um, and then I went into it and I showed him, I was like, and I showed him a client who was actually a former uh, baseball player and who is probably 15% body fat. In one month, he got significantly leaner. But the starting, and he's on his way to seeing his abs in three months. But most people, they're nine months away, a year away, eight months away, four or five months away. And it's like these expectations. And I know you were about to say something. So what do you have to say about that? Well, I think that unfortunately, media <laughs> and like just what's the word I'm looking for? I guess like, yeah, like pop culture. I'll say pop culture can be a huge player in where these somebody, you know, on top of it, we're talking about that demographic of 40 plus, right? So when I was 17, 18, 19, you know, what it took for me to get bigger or get more muscular or get leaner or whatever it is was nothing. It took absolutely no, it was no problem to do that sort of thing. You could look at weights and get bigger. You can eat anything you want and still not get fat and so on. Right. Um, you know, I would be at Wendy's all the time, the week of track meets, like it was ridiculous. Uh, I had a horrible diet. So, I mean, just that alone, lean. you can always, yeah. and I was lean, really? no, I was abs, you know? And so way back then, like when you're 17, 18, 19, 20, like that's a hugely different kind of thing, metabolism wise, um, hormones wise, all that stuff. Cause you're not a grown up yet. And so when somebody considers, um, that somebody uses that as their frame of reference for what they should be achieving now, they're already off to a bad start. So that's already, a, that's step number one. Number two, getting back to what I was saying, popular culture. And here's a good example. So Christian Bale goes and loses 47 pounds for his role in, you know, X, Y, and Z. The machinist, right? Right. Or he lost like so much more weight than that in the, for the machinist, right? Or Christian Bale goes and he gains 100 pounds for his role in Batman or whatever. And it's like, listen, I'm not, there's so many different things that I have to say about stuff like that that gets sensationalized in the media. Number one, we're not even thinking about whether or not those people are doing it in a healthy way. You know, for the machinist, we heard that he or for the fighter, we heard he was on an apple and a coffee every day for a long period of time. And it's like, really, like no one's going to do that to lose weight. And that's not good. We all know that anybody knows that's not good to do. Number two, even if they weren't doing an apple and a coffee every day, even if they were doing something that was more realistic than that, we're not even talking about whether or not they're using anything. You know, these are people who are getting paid a lot of money to be in the roles that they're in. I mean, if I was somebody who had, you know, 10, 15, $20 million riding on this movie, really becoming a blockbuster and so on. And part of it has to do with my image that I have to put out there. Why wouldn't I consider using like, it's not, a, it's not, it's not banned in sport. I mean, that's this in the sport. It's not banned. Why wouldn't I consider using some kind of a thing to help me out? Some kind of an aggressive sup or drug or whatever to help me out with regards to this. So I can get exactly what I'm looking for. You know, there's no harm or foul for them to go on the GH, to go on the, the, the cutters or whatever it is, you know? So we haven't talked about that. That's number two. Number three, with all that stuff considered, we also have to recognize that the numbers that we get in those media reports, like when Entertainment Tonight goes and says that uh, Christian Bale gained 50 pounds to play the Bat Batman or whatever, those numbers are also sort of uh, uh, super inflated as well. Because, okay, here's a good one. There's an actual number. When they said that Will Smith gained 35 pounds of muscle to play Muhammad Ali. And I look at him regularly. And then you look at him when he's playing Ali. And he's clearly bigger. He's clearly more muscular. But does anybody know what 35 pounds of muscle on a grown man looks like when it wasn't there before? They'd be, he'd be gigantic. Like, that would be ridiculous. So maybe he put on 15 pounds of a mixture of mostly muscle and also fat and water and other stuff like that. But then the media goes and says, oh, 35 pounds and it's only muscle and so on. People will say that about athletes in the off season as well. They gained 15, 20 pounds of muscle in the off season. It's like, no, they didn't. That's not something that someone can do naturally and possibly not even unnaturally given the time frame. So we have to get these things and these stats and these numbers out of our mind because when somebody's doing everything exactly right as a grown adult 
who's over 30, especially when you do everything, you're going to gain maybe 15 pounds of muscle in a year. If you do everything of actual muscle in a year, if you're doing everything right. So, you know, that just goes to compare it to when somebody says, okay, in three, four months of filming, this 42 year old man, all of a sudden gained 35 pounds of muscle. Like, come on, come on. Or in six months of filming like this ridiculous, it's ridiculous. So, you know, I don't really have to go into or spend much more time on that, but we just have to make sure that we're not letting social culture or social media or the internet or uh, pop culture or news reports and all that sort of stuff, what we see in the news and so on, sort of um, shape the way that we think fitness should go or shape the way that we think um, results should look. Because there are a lot of things that don't factor in there. Also, like uh, I wrote that in the blog about Shakira and JLo about like, you know, like who's to say that neither of them are using stuff too, you know? And, you know, I'm not speaking against it. I'm not speaking for it. I'm just saying that that's also a factor that must be contemplated is whether or not there's, you know, performance enhancing drugs involved, high ticket drugs like uh, human growth hormone and stuff like that. Those things are going to make change happen at a faster rate. And they're going to make things that feel um, that that might appear real be they're not as real as, as uh, doing it naturally. Right. So um, these are all factors that need to be uh, sort of fleshed out, too. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Do you want to know a secret that all my coaching clients follow? It's really simple, but powerful. Add vegetables into each meal. But let's be honest, most of us, including myself, don't eat the recommended servings of vegetables and fruits each day. So for those of us who are on the go or have trouble eating healthy, having a greens powder makes it easy to get your greens in every single day, no matter how busy you are. And that's why I use and recommend Organifi Green Juice, a superfood powder that you just add water to so that you can get your greens in even when you're on the go. The best thing about Organifi Green Juice is that it actually tastes great. But don't believe me, try it for yourself. And use the code TED20, that's capital T-E-D, the number 20, at www.organifi.com. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. That's Organifi.com to receive 20% off your first order. But hurry, this is a limited time discount for Legendary Life listeners. Now, back to the episode. Another thing I'll I'll throw in there is uh, I was talking to um, a few years, actually many years back, but I was talking to this fire this guy who works for the fire department and they do a calendar, right? For the fire department. And he was saying, Oh yeah. Um, what I do is, uh, you know, he, he diets down, but he takes Lasix, which is a diuretic to get the water out. And, uh, if you've ever been severely dehydrated and you know, you're a bit, you, you notice that you're quite a bit leaner, the veins pop out, you might see muscle striations, whereas you wouldn't before. So it isn't just about the growth hormone, the testosterone. It could be clenbuterol, which is another thing that I don't really know that much about. There's all these, or or taking the diuretics that are designed for people like my 76-year-old dad who has congestive heart failure and needs to pee out the water so it doesn't pool in his legs and you take, and, and you know these people take it to get leaner for a photo shoot then you see that and say, oh, that's what this guy's in great shape. It's like, well, uh, it's not bad, but, you know, he took some stuff to look good for one moment, for one photo. And, um, you know, there's a lot of tricks. And then you add in the IG, the Instagram and the Photoshop and the guys who make their waist smaller and their muscles bigger. It's just you can't. And there's a great I showed this to some clients the other day on, on a group coaching call. Uh, there's this woman, I forget her name is Deny something or another, but what she does on Instagram is she has kind of, uh, I don't want to be uh, disrespectful, but kind of like she's got some cellulite, some hangy skin around her glue area, around her butt. But if you see, she shows the difference between, she doesn't use any of these drugs that we're talking about. She uses these angles and these these posing tips and she shows like, hey, this is what I look like when I'm just sitting, the belly hanging, 
the butt sitting there, you know, and then she shows you, okay, I pull up my bathing suit. I poke my butt out. I change the lighting and she shows you from one, uh, from, from the natural normal shot to what, like the, the manufactured shot, not even using the drugs, not even using Photoshop. This is just you using lighting and posing. And, um, you know, she, she shows you exactly how it happens. And it's like, we get these ideas in our head about some of the people that we see now social media, in addition to all the, the media about celebrities and it, and, and if you're not following people like her, who's showing you the behind the scenes, you see that that becomes your new standard and uh, it can be really hard on your idea of what you should accomplish, what you should look like. And what do you have to say about that? Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent of what you said. Like, um, it can definitely create a misrepresentation of what a human body is supposed to look like. When you think about a, a magazine cover model, um, male or female, somebody who's ripped, somebody who's lean, somebody who has all of the, uh, the lighting on their striations and everything like that, or somebody who competed on stage or something like that. Um, you know, all you got to ask yourself is how many people who look exactly this way, give or take, can you find walking outside on a hot summer's day where you'll see they're in a t-shirt or a sleeveless or a tank or whatever. So they just look just ripped. And it's like, you might find a couple, but again, what does it take to actually get to that level compared to somebody who looks great in shape, fantastic, low body fat percentage, whatever, but they're not at quite that level. Which one do you think is more sustainable? Which one is more attainable and which one most applies to you as well? So um, those are the questions to sort of ask. And um, we also have to understand and ask, what is healthy? You know, because there's got to be a reason why the person who you described in the firefighting catalog, who's got the diuretic that they use in order to attain a certain look, can only display that version of himself for, you know, the couple of days that that shoot lasts or the couple of hours or whatever it is, compared to being able to, you know, hang out at that level for a couple of months, let's say. Not even the year, for, for, for a month. It's not possible. Like forgetting actual people, what does a healthy body, what does an actual correct level of leanness and in-shapeness and what's the right body fat to carry all that sort of thing? You know, it's a very gray area topic, but it's still worth asking because it definitely starts ruling out certain physiques and ruling out certain body types that uh, people might idolize right now. You know, we watch a movie and we see somebody in there who's totally shredded and it's like, well, that's impressive. But again, I've never seen someone like that in real life. So what does that tell me? And there's pro athletes everywhere. There's people who are incredible, um, you know, able to do incredible things, athletically speaking. Um, these are the pinnacles of health and fitness in many cases, and they don't even look like that. So what is that telling us? And so, yeah, that's my two cents on that. It's that, uh, you know, we have to really, really think about things from a real world perspective and then try to sort of uh, apply things to us then afterwards. I'm glad you brought that up. I know this is our first time talking. I've been traveling the world for two and a half years, all throughout Southeast Asia and more recently in South America. I recently got into super good shape or, or let's say lean, very lean, you know, because you know, then we'll have to pack, unpack like what, what means good shape because low body fat. I'm, I've seen some people with low body fat, they smoke cigarettes and hardly eat, right? Right. So um, so let's say leanness, although I don't smoke cigarettes and I was eating plenty of food, but just to avoid unpacking, I got very lean at the end of 2019. Uh, but even before that, I was carrying around 15% body fat. Certainly if you would have saw me, you would be like, oh, that guy is in reasonably good shape. I mean, he doesn't look like, the cover of men's health magazine or, you know, like a, like some of these actors who get in shape for the movie, but you can tell he's, you know, reasonably lean. He works out, looks good. And I was regularly the fittest person that I've seen traveling around the world. There were no super ripped people except in Chengu in Bali, where you had these uh, young Australian surfer guys those were the times where we saw like some really lean people, but for the most part, and we're talking not just the locals, but the tourists 
as well. Uh, you know, the, the fitted people that I saw were either the, the Thai boxers in Thailand who train three times a day, right? For like two hours a time. But if, it, if we're talking about the tourists and the, the local people, I was regularly the fittest or always one of the top five people that I would see who are fit, right? In terms of leanness, let's say. Right. Yeah, that says a lot. You know, it's it speaks to the real world and it speaks to what's really out there. And, you know, when we start getting really close, this is the other thing. This is another sort of like topic within a topic here that should be addressed here. Um, and it's something that I talk about and write about a lot is just like just the general gym culture. Gym culture, I think, can in its own way, it can be a little bit pernicious sometimes. And uh, we have to appreciate that there's a life outside of just like the gym life and being a, a bro or being, you know, a meathead or being a power lifter or being a crossfitter or, you know, I appreciate the fact that there's community in such cultures. And so you can obviously all share a very um, uh, uh, common interest and that's cool. But if we get too steeped and too caught up with that culture, we can sometimes sort of not see the fact that like we are belonging to a very, very small percentage of individuals that occupy the earth, you know, very, very small, you know, it's like somebody who can cover 100 meters in 11 seconds. And they say, you know, yeah, but I'm not fast though. Like that's lightning fast. That's really, really fast. But if you're comparing it to somebody like Tyson Gay, who can run it in 9.7 seconds, well, yeah, then you'd get beaten very handily. You know, if you're comparing it to Johan Blake or Usain Bolt or Gatlin or any of those guys, well, yeah, well, then 100% you are going to get uh, called slow, right? You're not, these are fast for world level, elite level performers. But if you race the next 25 people you see on the street to get to the next bus and you're running 11, like, you're going to win, right? Very easily. So my point is that the real world standard to be a, uh, uh, what's it, appreciated here and um that's something that's got to go and it's got to go uh, a little bit further than just thinking that it's just like what's the word i'm looking for you can't just think that the only way to gauge things in terms of how lean you are how fit you are how strong you are whatever is when you compare it up against power lifters i hear this all the time or when you compare it up against the elite levels of the elite of the elite right and so i hear this all the time and in the articles that i write for let's say t nation or whatever um, bodybuilding.com, T Nation, Muscle and Fitness, Men's Health, you name the publication, you'll always get those people who comment, who come up in the comments section, and they'll start referencing, oh, well, Louis Simmons says this, Dave Tate says this, Glenn Pendley says this, Usain Bolt did that. And, you know, and they're always pulling their examples of performance or whatever from people who can do the absolute best in the world. And it's like, do you think that you'll ever get there? Like, is your goal even to be that? Why are you using these people as your frame of reference instead of, let's say, the 40-year-old guy who also has an accounting job, who also works 50 hours per week, who also has a wife and kids, who also, you know, all that stuff that actually applies to you and see how strong they are and what they're doing for that. And then we take it from there. You know, so... I think that uh, using the right examples for your frame of reference is going to be a huge, huge thing to sort of like uh, uh, influence the way that you're thinking about all this stuff. And fitness culture and like what I was getting to in the first place, fitness culture, it can be something that can give you a little bit of a rabbit hole that you start getting sort of like uh, put into a little box where you think that you're not in shape because you're at 12%, whereas this guy is at 7%. Meanwhile, the world is at 21%, right? So it's like, where do we sort of draw that line mentally where we say, you know what? I am the biggest, strongest, and most imposing person when I take a walk down any street in my city. So what does that mean in terms of how I'm doing, right? Um, and that's, that's the way that I like to look at things myself. So if I have goals that I want to set, you know, it makes me sort of look at them with a little bit more balance. I'll still work hard to get toward them, but it's also something where you have to look at it in terms of balance too. Loving this conversation. One thing that I want to change directions a bit, I think we've both been alluding to it and I'll, I'll kick it off like this. I saw a great meme actually. And the meme was a very fit woman inside with a sad face. She was very lean, let's say, 
very lean muscle striations. It was a cartoon, but you know, she was eating super clean. She looked sad and unhappy and lonely. And outside there were more, there were people who looked less lean, less fit, and they had smiles and they were talking with each other and having a good time. And one of the things that I try to do with my clients, and I'll, I'll give you a, a, a brief story. One of my clients, actually Dean, uh, is an, a good example, was asking me, hey, I'm on this fat loss thing and I really, it's a, it's a big goal for me, but my daughter's birthday is coming up. I want to share ice cream cake with her. Is that okay? Or should I not do that? I'm like, don't you fucking dare not eat ice cream cake with your young daughter, right? He had that day where he had the ice cream cake and the pizza and the other things and got back on track. No problem. It's this extremism that I'm kind of very passionate against right now. This extremism that we have to, like you said, train balls to the wall, go hard or go home. This extremism about like, you got to eat super clean. And you're, if you're at McDonald's, you're a loser, right? Not, hey. I love hey. McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, the fries are great. I had some Wendy's the other day with a Frosty. Haven't had it in years. My dad wanted it and it's his favorite thing. So we went in, he likes the hamburgers there. So we had it. And I got, and, and I'm still on track with what I'm doing. It didn't ruin things. But for a lot of people, they'll look at that and they'll be like, oh man, I just ate McDonald's. That's unhealthy. I've failed. Instead of saying, well, you know, let me, let me keep my calories in check. Let me, you know, uh, eat a clean meal afterward or whatever. Right. And so what do you have to say about the social aspects of health? about the, this, you know, having friendships, uh, not being the weirdo. And I know I'm coming across super judgmental uh, and, and calling, you know, things out how I see it and opinionated. And that's kind of where I am right now. But what do you have to say about like this situation where, like you said, people are focused on the leanness, the PRs, the how fast am I, how much can I lift? And not paying attention to these other aspects of health. Well, first of all, the truth is that like no one is going to care how much you can lift later on than like right now, you know, if anyone cares not right now at all, you know, no one's going to care how lean you are or how lean you were, you know, like all these things are very, very personal and they exist in someone's brain and it's because they're putting themselves up in, for comparison against other people that they see. What circles you decide to exist in are going to influence what kind of uh, comparisons you make all the time, you know? So if you're spending your life in the gym or you're spending your life uh, being inundated with fitness culture all the time, then there's a probable chance that you're going to see more types of people who are, you know, in wicked, lean, whose condition and shredded and so on. Well, how is that going to play on your mental side, you know? Is that going to be a service to you mentally or is it going to be a disservice at the end of the day because you start being transfixed on just getting this kind of body or comparing yourself to the, how lean these people are or whatever? Now, that's not a scapegoat to say that you shouldn't do that ever or that you should be completely opposite or whatever. And I think that's the line that we have to sort of address here is that the extremism, the extremism can sometimes backfire and go in a different way too. In that Health at every size? Okay. Well, listen, like, for example, like the example that you gave, right, which was um, the client who had uh, the party and uh, this ice cream cake, right? And so, of course, the answer that I would give as well is the same as what you would give, you know, show balance, have the ice cream cake, you've been doing great, it's a blip, whatever you would, so you take in some crappy calories and you bring you get right back to it. But the get right back to it is the real instrumental part of it, right? Is that we have to acknowledge that there's going to be times where we have to let ourselves sort of relax and let our shoulders down and enjoy things. We're going to, but that doesn't mean that three times per week, every time you're going out and you're having wings and fries and beers and everything like that with your friends, because you have a life to live. You know, and that's what a lot of people start trying to default to saying is that like, okay, your fitness goals are still there, but at the same time, I'm still going to live my life and not change anything that involves actually showing a shred of discipline and showing a shred of like dedication towards these goals. Remember, 
fitness should be a part of the routine. Uh, your goals should be something that you take on for like within your life. Like it's got to be a lifestyle change. And that means that lifestyle change means you do have to change elements and aspects of your lifestyle to promote and facilitate those goals in order for you to make change happen. If that's what you really want. So when somebody goes and says that, um, you know, you shouldn't have to ever compromise any of those things and, you know, go and, uh, you know, uh, you know, work out, have fun, enjoy yourself. And that's basically it. And acknowledge the fact that your body is always going to change as you get older or as ch things change and so on. There is a line, right? There is a line. And it doesn't mean that this situation is, is unfixable or that, you see, all of this stuff sort of rocks the foundation upon which goals are built, right? And a lot of these movements I find can sort of downplay the idea of setting goals and instead say, okay, pursue health and fitness by way of going through the motions of going to the gym and doing whatever it is that you enjoy and eating relatively healthily or whatever, but eating whatever it is that you enjoy at any given time at any given quantity and not showing so much sort of... Um, I guess balance, I don't want to use that word, but showing a little bit more discipline in those dis departments. And that that's what sort of shoots a lot of these movements in the foot because that none of that stuff that I just said can promote somebody actually having a goal that they work toward, right? And it's just such a double-edged sword and such a tricky area to even address because at its core, it's a great message and these kind of messages can be great. But at the same time, if it falls on the wrong ears, people can take that and run with it and go on the wrong direction with it, right? So personally, I think that uh, goals are important to have. And I think that that's kind of like the whole point. Uh, there is a point where once you reach a certain level of goal setting or fitness or whatever, then it might be time to change the goal or it might be time to maintain the goal instead of trying to set new ones or break certain records and go in that route. But, you know, I do think that fitness is something that should be sort of centered around goal setting and uh, achieving certain things. And there's going to be a lot more fulfillment and a lot more health that comes from that as well. Yeah, it's really a slippery slope to go down the wrong way. So, you know, I just have so much stuff that I could say about all that stuff. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. It's definitely an interesting one. Well, let's save that for round two, because I'd love to open up more about this with you and i love your thought we've this is the first time that we talked before and uh, i knew it was going to be a good conversation after reading so many of your articles over the years uh and by the way if you're enjoying this conversation with lee make sure you go to lee boyce training that's l-e-e-b-o-y-c-e -E -E training.com l-e-e B-O-Y-C-E training.com. And not only will you get Lee's articles about his thoughts on the things that he spoke about today, but he's got a, a lot of information on training as well. Lee, we talked about the Hollywood side, the you know, getting lean side, the fitness niche side, and we didn't talk about the other side, which is just, just be happy. Uh, you know, it's kind of what you talked about at the end. Like you shouldn't set goals. In fact, it's, it's probably bad for you to set goals with, with health and fitness. You should just pound wings and be happy when I find a lot of those people aren't happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, from talking with them. So we, we can save that for round two, but it was just a pleasure, Lee. Are, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share before we wrap things up? Final thoughts? Uh, you know, we talked about all sorts of stuff that sort of goes against the grain compared to what a lot of common conceptions of fitness have become and what they are. So, you know, it's just, I think that it's very important to ask questions and always sort of try to figure out why you're doing what you're doing. And uh, that regards like anything fitness, nutrition related. So, you know, for me, it's always about sustainability. And uh, I think that that should be the answer for a lot of people who do not compete in anything, especially, right? We need to stop looking at certain people as the pinnacles of athleticism and health because we don't know what sacrifices or what things they've had to forfeit in order to achieve those goals, right? And whether or not that's giving them mental anguish at the same time. So we just have to find a place where we can be the best version of ourselves and uh, in good balance, right? And the best version of ourselves, that's a really loaded statement to make. And I think a lot of too many people throw, out, throw around too much. 
So uh, when we try to find the best version of ourselves, it has to do with like what, you know, our life is, what our history is, what our injuries might have been, what our current, you know, family status is, all that sort of stuff, you know, um, where we are in terms of our own mental health too. All those things are going to factor in. So if we want to find the best version of ourselves to achieve when we're uh, looking at it from a fitness perspective, then uh, it's going to take some real looking within and some maybe some modifications to our goal setting so that we can do something that we can uh, achieve and sustain as well. Lee Boyce, it's been a pleasure. Hope this is the first of many. And thank you so much for coming on today, sharing your wisdom and sharing your time with us. Thanks a lot. It was great. And uh, yeah, I do look forward to a second round of this for sure. That wraps up another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation with Lee. And I want to ask you, based on listening to that interview today, what will you do differently? What is that one aha or one or two or three aha moments or breakthroughs or times when the light bulb went on in your head and you said, ah, okay, that makes sense. What will you do differently after having listened to this interview today? One of the things that we're trying to end, or at least I'm trying to end, is people taking in information and not doing anything with it. So I want to challenge you right now, after having listened to this, what will you do differently? How will you think about your workouts, nutrition, getting into shape differently after having listened to this episode? That's what I want to leave you with. And if you're looking to take your results to the next level, and you want to experience a week of coaching with me to lose fat. I mean, our clients are, are, I should say not our clients, but our challenge members lose an average of two to four pounds in one week of coaching. And we go into mindset, we go into nutrition, we go into training, we go into the difference between weight loss and fat loss. I cram this week this free challenge, free seven-day challenge. I cram it with information. I personally take you along for the journey. If you're interested in that, go to legendarylightpodcast.com slash challenge. We run the challenge about once every four to six weeks, and we're about to run another one. So if you want in, sign up now and looking forward to seeing you there. Have a great one, and I'll speak to you on Friday.